Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. Uh, actually, it's not really a bar. Uh, my name is Chris. This is Craig. Uh, uh, bring up your pontoon. Put it next to my pier. Uh, it's it's lake week for me. Uh, I'm at the family lake cottage. Craig, you're not. You're sitting in your basement. So we're, we're, we're in completely different spots, but through the magic of podcasting, everything going on this week on the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network is via satellite or the internet or whatever, whatever I'm supposed <laughs> to say. I don't, I don't care. Like at this point, I'm like seven beers in and everybody's looking at me funny here at the lake because I'm breaking off from swimming in the lake and holding on to one of those big noodles where you float and I'm coming upstairs with my beer to do bucks in the basement. So, so you're, you're leading the show today because I'm, I'm on lake time, buddy. I don't even know what time it is. Okay. It's the middle of July and I'm just relaxing. How are you? I'm doing good, man. And I, and last week was was Lake Weekend for me because uh, when I talked to Mike Piersack, I was at a lake house. So, I mean, we kind of haven't even sat down to to talk to each other in a while here. No. Every single time, and we talked about this before, Chris. Every single time we sit down, you have to like check the transaction logs, and it's just full of rehab assignments, picking up guys, Manny Benuelos. Who is the new Anthony Bonda will be coming here at some point in time, getting for cash considerations. Yu Chang finally DFA'd, but you know, he's picked up by the race, so Yu Chang's gonna get a World Series ring this year or something. I mean, obviously we don't care about that. But yeah, you have to check the transaction page every day. Well, I see that Gamble's back and I see that Yoshi's back, and I get Gamble, but I don't get Yoshi. I have no idea why Yoshi Satsugo is on this team. And, and and listen, you should all be amazed that I was able to say that last name after the amount of beer I drank today. Okay. I, I don't know why he's on this team because Daniel Vogelbeck is better and Michael Chavis is better. And that's first base DH right there. In my opinion, that's, that's who's holding it down at this point. All right. Because I think you got plenty of middle infielders and I'd rather see uh Marcano playing some middle infield and maybe some outfield I'd rather see him bouncing around right now on this team than another run with Yoshi. Yeah, and Yoshi is pretty much here because he did the same thing he did for the Dodgers last year in AAA in Oklahoma City as that he, you know, plays in, let me pull it up here. He played in nine games, gets 36 at-bats, hits two bombs, tears up the Nashville sound, and, you know, slashes 440, 556, 760, and he's going to translate that into something. At this point in time, I mean, you bring back Josh Van Meter, you are bringing back Gamble, which you got to, at this point in time, you had to bring back Gamble. But 
you have enough guys that you could throw a first base glove on to platoon with Chavis if you chose to platoon. Gamble has thrown it on before and was taking some reps before he got injured. Bly Madris, who is still up here because, I mean, he he made the, the cut. You know, Tucapito Marcano had a couple bad games when he got back. But Bly Madris, who played first base in, in college, and then they put him in a few games in AAA, he could do that. Josh Van Meter can do that. So you have that platoon. You know, Vogelback can play it in a pinch, but he's pretty much your DH. So at this point in time, like Yoshi really doesn't have a spot on the team, but it's almost one of those things where it's like Ben Sherrington, you know, it's like we gave him $4 million. I picked him up last year. I want to prove that I'm brilliant. And if he hits a hot streak here, maybe we can trade him for something. But every single team in Major League Baseball has seen what he's done is that he will get hot for like a very short period of time if he gets hot and then he falls back into you know this below league average player and he honestly can't play first base that well he's not a professional hitter you can find some reason why a guy is good I try to stay with the basics and one of the basics that I go with not only do I go with OPS which is your slugging and your on base percentage added up which gives a value to not only how often do you get on base, but how many extra base hits are you getting? And I love OPS when I'm looking at batters. That's why I can excuse Jackson Winsky and his 221 average because he has a 782 OPS, which puts him as an above average hitter, right? And one of the ways you can measure guys against each other is with OPS plus. You go to baseball reference, take a look at this, takes into account the ballparks that they're hitting in, and it takes into account the average OPS around the league. And 100 is average. Michael Chavis is 100 right now. He is an average right down the middle. There's just as many guys above him as below him in Major League Baseball, okay? Surprisingly, Cabrian is at 95. That's frightening. But when I look at Chavis at 100, and I look at Vogelbeck at 116, and if you're curious, the highest guy on the list is Brian Reynolds right now with 120, followed by Zawinski at 117. I can look at Satsugo. He's at 54. That's all I need to know. All I need to know about this guy is that he's not a major league hitter this year. And over his career, not really a major league hitter. He's had a couple of streaky weeks. But for his career, he's got an 84 OPS plus and a 661 OPS. And this year, he's got a 538 OPS with a 54 OPS plus. Even if he gets up to what his career numbers are, you know what he is? He's not a major league hitter. And I get that you're trying to find a diamond in the rough, but the guy is 30 years old. When do you think he's breaking out? Some guys are really good in AAA and Japanese baseball, but they're not meant for the majors. Yoshi Satsugo is one of those guys. And at some point, you got to shake those guys off and let the young kids play because you're supposed to be building a team here that's going to compete, hopefully, as soon as next year and at the latest in 2024. Yeah, and the one you mentioned, Chris, it's, it's, it definitely is a little bit concerning is Cabrian Hayes. Cabrian Hayes, for the month of June, we saw the power starting to come in a little bit. We saw him get those home runs. 
So I'm get a couple doubles, get a couple triples. But for the most part, I mean, his OPS in April and March was 840. In May, it was 704. Eh, not bad. As long as it's above 700, that's, that's above average. That's what we're asking for. For June, 571. Oh, I saw this. Last 28 days, that's four weeks. He's got a 529 OPS. Oh my God, that's brutal. Like, that's not even good enough to be in your starting lineup on any team in the majors. That's awful. So yeah, he's in a slump. Now, I've seen good players go into slumps, and I'd rather him figure it out now because this is what happens when you're building a team. You have young guys, they come in, and they have these ups, and they have these downs, and they have these moments where they're trying to figure something out, and and they're learning how to adjust in the majors. Being a Major League Baseball player is really difficult, and what happens is you're going up against other Major League Baseball players, and they're looking at film and analytics and you know, weird ways you can curve the pitch in just the perfect way to get a guy just like a Brian Hayes and you name it. Every There's a team of people trying to figure out how to get Brian Hayes out, just like they are trying to get out every batter in the major leagues. Teams have massive departments of people trying to figure out how to do it. And it's up to the player to figure it out. And this is the point in a rebuild, even though I know Ben Charrington never called it that. This is the point in a rebuild where your young guys now have to figure it out. Because there is no guarantee of the rebuild, Craig. There's no guarantee. We've seen the Astros do it. They won a World Series. We saw the Cubs do it. They won a World Series. We've seen other teams do it. They they ain't winning nothing. Okay? They did massive rebuilds, tore their entire rosters down, and never got anything. So there's no guarantee here. This is the part where, where you hope that you had enough pieces and some of them figure it out. But some of it is on the player. And some of it's on the coaches that are kind of teaching the player. I'm not concerned about him because I think he's a talented ball player. And I'd rather him be going through it now than a year or two from now when you need him. Yeah. And the crazy part is, Chris, I don't know why I was listening to an episode that we did probably about a week into the season. And we were talking about Cabrian Hayes' extension. And we were talking about Cabrian Hayes being bumped around from like batting leadoff to batting second to batting third and and just kind of finding a place for him and and this was like extremely interesting to me and and i looked this up you know in preparation for this the crazy part is yes we we do kind of prepare for these episodes a little bit i didn't not at all today not at all today did i prepare so when he is batting leadoff he has a 241 batting average a 294 on base percentage and a 338 slugging, good for a 632 OPS. When he is batting second, though, Chris, 382, 463, 588 for a 1.052 OPS. And he's actually, like, when he's batting third, he has a lot better on-base percentage, but he's still batting, like, around, like, a 233. But we talked about, if this guy, you just signed him to a deal, if you want to mess with the rest of the lineup, that's fine by me. And I know that there are studies that say, you know, lineups can only, you know, create a, a minuscule amount of wins or losses, up or down, or what it would be. But for certain players, I do believe that there is like that comfort level 
of of when they are coming into a game. And I know that like once, you know, the the leadoff guy, once you start to come around the second, third, and fourth time, it's it's not you're not the leadoff guy anymore. But your position in the batting order, maybe don't mess with him. They always say hit your best player second. Like that's where your best player should be hitting. Between him and Brian Reynolds, second and third, that's fine. But maybe just pick it and be consistent with it and and just let him stay in one spot, especially when the numbers are that stark of contrast between each other. Well, I always get a I always get annoyed with people that say that batting order doesn't matter. First of all, it does. If you think batting order doesn't matter and where guys are placed in order, you have become, I don't know, corrupted in some weird way by the the analytics and the money ball fad and the idea that there's there should be no emotion in baseball. No such thing as momentum. There's no such thing as like emotion that these guys are just robots. That's not the case. And and I get I get annoyed when I hear that. Look, batting order matters for a couple of reasons. One, if you have your best players hitting towards the top, they get more at-bats. It increases your team's chances to get their best hitters up as much as possible. That's why the best hitters on the team are not batting eighth. So stop saying batting order doesn't matter. Secondly, where you sit in the order matters depending on where you are in your skill level. And, And also what you chase and what your tendencies are. If you have a guy who's an experienced hitter, who's a Hall of Fame guy, you might be able to move him around a little bit because he can adjust to anything. You got a young kid. Young kid might have holes in his swing. Young kid might go for things that are diving to the outside that you're not going to do if there's a big bopper behind him that makes you more nervous and you'd rather not face. I, I, I think it's a real thing. If he's comfortable in the two spot, And this is a really interesting stat. I I really want to expound on what you said. You look at his career numbers. He has played 50 games in the one spot where he's let off. 91 games in the two spot, 34 games in the three spot, no more than six in any other spot. So in reality, the majority of his career, the lion's share in the first three spots in the order. When he bats second, 290 and 816 OPS. When he leads off a 638 OPS, hitting 255, his on base percentage drops from 365 to 293. And when he when he's hitting third, he's only hitting 230 with a 642 OPS and an on base percentage of 317. You're right. He should be batting second. And if he's if he's the star you expect him to be, if he's this, this guy that you're building around in your order, there's nothing wrong with having him bat second. And you know, the role of the guy that's hitting in the two spot is different than the one guy. Yeah, and the weird part is, is I mean, they've they've been jumping like the three and four spot around a lot. Like they had Bly Madras in there and, and he was hitting kind of hot. But once you got past Cabrian Hayes and Brian Reynolds, I'm thinking some of these pitchers are thinking, well, I'm going to try to get them out because I'm probably going to get Bly Madras out. Like, who the heck is this dude? And, and yeah, he's had some good games and stuff. But when you, I don't know. Like, it, to me, I made fun of Vogelback like, leading off before. But it, it, it at least makes sense in some ways. But then, like you said, Chris, who are you putting in the the, the four spot to kind of protect Well, I'm putting Brian order? Reynolds behind him. 
See, yeah. if it were up to me, I go Hayes Reynolds. I and, really and that's would. The way it's, and that's the way it starts, like as one, two. But then once you get to the three, it's they, they've been putting Vogel back no, in no, there no, before. No, 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 no. I'm putting Hayes two and I'm putting Reynolds three. And yeah. I don't care what you do with the rest of the team. Because when I look at Brian Reynolds, he performs incredibly well in the three spot and the two spot. In fact, he's basically the same guy. So I'm thinking if you put a Brian Reynolds behind a Brian Hayes, you're going to get Reynolds, you're going to get Hayes at his best and you're going to get Reynolds at his best hitting 283 lifetime with an 853 OPS. And the, the majority of his home runs in his career in the two or the three spot and he's pretty much even. I I wouldn't I that's what I would do. Hayes is two, Reynolds is three. They've earned it. They're the best two players on your team. And and then fill in around the rest. Find me somebody who you think is more important than those two guys right now in your order. Put them in the place they're most comfortable and go with that and build around it. It, it doesn't make any sense. You know, I mean, look, they're not Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth because they're just Cabrian Hayes and Brian Reynolds. So don't get me wrong, but would you bat Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth all over the lineup because you were trying to figure out where the other guys were good at? Or would you say these are the two best guys on the team and I'm going to put them where they're most comfortable and build around them? On this team, those are the two best hitters. Yeah, it's something that's going to have to happen at some point in time here. And I mean, you're going to fill in pieces here and there. Like you have Ono Cruz up here for the rest of the year. I think Jack Sawinski, like you said, I mean, he has struggled at points and times, but everybody that listens to this show and, and anybody that's new, you know, thank you for, for clicking on us. But we always say, you know, if you have above a 700 OPS, then then you can probably start on our team. Brian Hayes is a little bit below that. His contract, his defense, his history shows that he should rebound above that. And we already expounded on where he should hit in that. But like you said, Jack Sawinski, the 117 OPS plus the 782 OPS. Okay, he's in the order. Daniel Vogelback's in the order. Ben Gamble is going to get his shots. So you're trying to figure out like where this stuff is at. And Chris, I know you probably didn't even read this, but of course, one of the one of the the Pittsburgh personalities said that O'Neill Cruz, who has you know a six seventy seven OPS in oh God, it's like fifty six uh, plate appearances, needs to be sent back down. That person needs to be committed. That's crazy. Was that said out loud? I'm sorry, that was said out loud. On it was at- actually it was actually it was actually written down. Oh, you know, look. Folks, some people, they went to school, they learned how to write, but it doesn't mean their opinions are good. That's a terrible, that's a terrible opinion. That, that's a ter- you leave O'Neill Cruz up and you let him figure it out. Look at all the crap that's been up on this team over the last couple of years, and you're going to give this guy just a couple of bats, you're going to send him down for a 677 OPS? I mean, if you if you did that, you have to send down the entire team. You only got five guys or six guys that are doing better than them right now. <laughs> I mean, name me nine guys in the Pirates with a better than 677 OPS. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That seriously was written somewhere in Pittsburgh? It was it was actually written down, made it into the paper. Like it was uh, it was like one of the craziest things. But Chris, what you're why why print journalism said, is like- dead. Print journalism is dead because somehow Twitter is smarter. And there was like, the funny thing is like, you're like, there's five guys that could make it on the team. And I, I, for some reason I had like flashbacks of watching Hoosiers when there was like four men on the, on the court. And they're like, he makes the guy sit down and he's like, 
no, my team's out there. I'm just basically picturing five guys out on the field and and Cher- and uh, Shelton going, no, my team's out there. That's the only people that are good. I don't have anybody that's below a 700 OPS at bats for me. You only have five guys, coach. Yeah, but that's all I'm going to send out there today. I don't want anybody writing about my players playing who have under a 700 OPS. Are you really? What? I, I'm astounded by this. Like this, it's it's hurting my brain right now. It really is. First of all, Neil Cruz, I would bat him towards the bottom of the order because he's a rookie. Okay, I stick him down there. Uh, Zawinski, by the way, uh, best spot is in the five hole so far in his career. But I, I have a hard time finding an argument to put anybody else in the two and three spot as I flip through all these players, except for Hayes and Reynolds. That's where I would put them. And I would build around that. And a guy who is a budding superstar hitting 677 in his first month in the majors, he's safe in my in my world. All right? Because I live in reality. Other than, I don't know who wrote that, but whoever it is, stop writing. The world needs ditch diggers, too. That That's what you should be doing. And and the crazy part is, Chris, like, I, I keep on going now. We could, we could go to pitching because we usually say, like, for a starter, it's, like, you know, around, like, a, a 1.3, maybe if you're creeping up towards that, maybe a, a 1.4 could be, like, the back end of the rotation. My theory on pitchers is their whip, if they're a good starting pitcher, my one, two, and three guys have to sit, have to sit somewhere below a 1.25. I will allow a guy with a 1.3 something in the four or the five spot. If you're over 1.40, you can't even be a starter on my team. And if you're out of the bullpen, nobody above a 1.30 whip. Nobody at all, ever. Yeah, so basically we're starting, sorry, Jose Quintana and Zach Thompson. You have to start every single game. I mean, if it was a finished product, I would understand. If there was somebody else, are you kidding me? (laughs) Like, I'm... I mean, like, we're not going to get that right now, you know? But, I mean, like, that's how, if you want to judge talent, judge talent. But you can't just send a guy down just because you think, well, he didn't he didn't meet the standard without saying who should come up after him, right? Like, who on the yeah. team, who on the team is O'Neal Cruz blocking right now that, that deserves a better shot than him? That's what I want to know. No, he's not blocking anybody. I mean, would there be a guy like, I mean, everybody's been talking about him. Jiwon Bay, who's been tearing up AAA, probably deserves a shot at some point in time, but not over O'Neal Cruz. No. Like, that's where it's like, if you would say he's blocking somebody, he's he's technically not blocking anybody right now. I mean, if anybody's blocking anybody, it could be when, you know, Kevin Newman comes back and if he doesn't start hitting or I mean the the big one like is Diego Castillo like I really pushed Piersack on that last week because Diego Castillo dude hits bombs dude has been doing nothing else he has a 65 for the season, OPS plus. No, I would. I here's the thing. Like, if you want to ask me, who were the hitters on this team? Shavis, uh, uh, Reynolds, Zawinski, Vogelbeck, and because I believe he's not in the right spot, Hayes. I'm happy to Ben Gamble's back. He can hit. Other than that, all of you are interchangeable. So then, at that point, I'm sitting around saying, "Blime address." I'd like to see him. 
every once in a while get some at bats. I like to see O'Neill Cruz. I want to see the young guys at that point. I want to see the guys that have the pedigrees, that have the opportunity to become something big. That's what I want to see. Because the only guys that should ever be in the lineup that that because they've earned a spot in the lineup are the guys I mentioned. Michael Chavis has earned a spot to this point. Brian Hayes, I want to see him work his way out of it. Bat him second. Brian Reynolds, Zawinski, Vogelbeck, Gamble. After that, make sure Cruz and Madris are getting at bats. See how it plays out. Because, I mean, Bly's one of those guys that, you know, it, he could play his way to what Zawinski's doing to a degree, maybe not with as much power, even though Zawinski's power is fairly surprising to a degree. But, yeah, I mean, other than that, like, everybody is is fairly interchangeable at that point in time. Like, to me, like, here's the thing. To me, catcher's a disaster, right? Like, you, you don't really... Chris, you're not you're not all excited about Michael Perez no. and his three home run game and no. the first Pirates no. catcher no. ever to have three home runs in a game. You're not excited about that? What did John Madden used to say? Even a blind pig can find an acorn every once in a while. Like that's how I feel about that. Okay? But I like if if I looked at the rest of the positions, I'd have Chavis playing first, and I would have put Marcano at second base. I would have said I want to see what he can do. And I would have, and then, and then I would have Cruz at short, and I would have Hayes at third, and then I have Gamble and Reynolds and Zawinski out there in the outfield, and Vogelbeck at the DH spot, and I would be working in Madras, and rotating through the outfield in some of those spots, and everything after that, I don't care. If I didn't name them, I'm not that excited about them, and that's how I would look at this team going forward. Yeah, so I'd rather see you know Marcano get that little bit of a shot. Instead of Josh Van Meter. Well, it's weird because wasn't that a Charrington guy? Like, didn't he do everything he could to bring him in? Yeah, he did. And I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know everything behind if he's like feeling great after he was, you know, down on his rehab assignments and different stuff. Like, I, you don't really ever know exactly what's going on with that. But I saw maybe, you know, maybe Newman replacing him to see what you have in Newman, to see if you can move Newman, to see what you're going to do with Newman this offseason. But, you know, for for him to, you know, kind of be sent down at this point in time for a Yoshi and, and a Gamble, like Gamble, yeah, but Yoshi, no, not really. Like, like Marcano, a lot like, of weird moves. Who would you rather see standing at second base right now? Let's say that Cruz is going to get his shot at short, and they say, okay, we're going to let him just stand at shortstop, Okay. Because that's that's where I think he should be standing, okay? So you're going to keep Hayes at third, and you're going to make Chavis play first base, and DH is Vogelbeck, and Zawinski and Reynolds and Gamble are in the outfield, and your fourth outfielder right now is Madris, and I'm not worried about catcher. So really, second base becomes like the one spot you could bring somebody up. So would you rather see Van Meter? Would you rather see Castillo? Would you rather see Marcano? Or would you rather see Pagaro? Because to me, I'd rather go with those guys that that I was looking at on a prospect list, and I want to see I want to see what they can do. I want to give them a month. But I feel like what the Pirates are doing is saying, "Well, before we give up on these other guys, we want to make sure." And that's why it's frustrating because we've decided we're sure on these guys, and I don't think the Pirates have decided that yet. I think they'll eventually reach where we're at, 
I just think that it's like, it's like, well, these are our toys and we don't want to throw our toy in the garbage until we're sure that it's completely broken. And and that's where I think they are with Newman, because I think when Newman comes back, I mean, they've made comments that he's going to play some short, he's going to play some second base. So people lost their minds, you know, before tonight's game, Ono Cruz was, was working out in the outfield, even though everybody knew that was going to happen. So please don't lose your mind. Kevin Newman should be playing some peanut vendor. That's where he should be. He should be <laughs> he should be working on his parking attendant. That's that's a good spot for him right now. I don't want to yeah. see him anymore. I know that there's people that like him. I'm done. I am. I'm done. Like, the, the, here's the problem with rebuilds. Like, you know, you, you, you like some guys. They don't work out all the time. Not every prospect works. Not every guy with potential, like, pans out. The teams that are good figure out which guys are good and which guys are bad. The teams that are bad cling to players because they just can't admit that even though they like the guy, they've seen the guy in spring training, they've had they've had a hamburger with the guy, they they think he's a personable guy, they like his wife, they like his kids, they like his they like the cut of his jib. Everything about him is great, but he's not a good player. That that's how teams fail in rebuilds. You need to be so cutthroat in this because you're trying to pick the best roster out of all these pieces that you gathered. And the moment you fall in love with a guy, where you're going to just like continuously give them opportunities and not let somebody else get those opportunities who might be better, then you start to hurt your rebuild. And that that's the only thing that could go wrong for the rest of the year this year for the Pirates. Okay? I mean, that's it. That's really it. How do you manage the next couple months and make sure that when you got to the end of the year, you know which starting nine you believe should be out there starting next season? Yeah, and I think that's where... I mean, even if they do bring them back, and I mean, they've already brought Yoshi back, and they're probably going to bring Newman back. Like, that's almost, that's pretty much a 100% guarantee. The only one that at this point in time could possibly be on his rehab assignment and not brought back is is Jake Marisnik. And he was almost a little bit of an afterthought, you know, before this season. And that was because Greg Allen got hurt. And so they wanted to get like a professional outfielder. But you already have, like you said, you have Swinski, you have Gamble back now, you have Reynolds, you have Madras that you want to see. So, you know, Marisnik really doesn't fit in there. But your leashes with Newman and Yoshi at this point in time, they have to just be really short. I mean, we're about halfway through the season here. Uh, let it, Let's see what they have. But if they start to hit any sort of a slump... I almost have to just let them go because they're perfect. They've been up here long enough. We've seen them long enough. If they start to hit a slump, it, it basically means they're probably moving back into the lower level of them that we've seen. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next.